Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome to episode 38, and today we're going to get into some cool stuff. If you haven't yet, I've just been really excited. Listen to episode 37. We had a special guest on, Amy Leniker. She talked about building trust. It is an awesome, awesome episode. And if you get to also episode 36, we had our special guest, Christine McHugh. She talked about um, just leadership lessons and how to actually grow as a servant leader. So both of those super killer. I'm excited for 2019 and the guests who are going to be coming on the show. We're going to be looking at empathy a little bit deeper. Um, We're going to be looking at different leadership aspects that I think you're going to really like. So, and you're going to get different people besides me getting on here, sharing their insights because there's just so much to leadership. It reminds me of the leadership journey I'm on right now, just being a parent. And most of you know, I've got a four-year-old, I got an eight-year-old, and I can't think of a better leadership development opportunity than being their dad. And um, I was going to say some days I get it right and some days I get it less right, but it's more like some mornings or hours um, I do. Like I'm awesome and then sometimes I suck, Um, but it's growth. I don't really see, you know, I'm not really beating myself up, um, you know, that way, but it is, it is a journey. It is, it's not easy. And, you know, along the way, there are things that we have learned and they make a difference. And then things that we're not sure how to do. And some things work well with just like embarrassing. Some things work well in some situations with some young people and some things. I think leadership is the same way. Um, but there's just something to be said about some things that are some truths. And we know that they are truths, whether or not as we walk through them, they make sense. Like we know setting boundaries, for example, are important with young people and being consistent is important, right? Um, and I don't know that those are the same things I would carry over to building a team, but we know that there are things that work. Um, the question is how well are we at applying them and are we applying them? I should have even started with that. And, um, you know, the thing that used to piss me off is <laughs> I was this person. Um, I remember, so I'm going to back up before I become a hypocrite. I remember me and my wife, we had kids, you know, in our, in our thirties, our mid thirties. And, um, I remember like we had friends who had kids and, you know, either their, their kiddo was struggling or they'd call me and, you know, I think they were just having like, a, a, they're like, oh, we were, you know, at the at Safeway and my kid melted down. And, and you know, um, I never had kids, but I always had something to offer, you know, because that's who I was. I was like, well, you know, when young people feel safe, they like to go ahead and express themselves. I mean, and my friends were probably giving me the middle finger over the phone, but they were super gracious. So like, oh, okay. Um, and, you know, now I'm like, you know, I'll sit down with folks and they'll sometimes, you know, share their, their thinking with me if they don't have kids. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I'm sharing that because I don't know if you can connect with that, but I feel the same way. And I did feel the same way when I was a manager. And then eventually when I became a director and then eventually a senior leader, um, when someone had something to say to me about leadership and either I would look at their leadership and be like, mm, your stuff's a mess. Or um, they didn't really have the experience and it was really hard for me to grapple with, you know, because I was like, how how much street cred do you actually have with me? And um, and I think that's why I like doing this podcast because um, I know what it's like. Like I know what it's like to um, be like a – I'll start way early in my career. I know what it's like to jump in as a classroom teacher. Like I'm, I'm, I'll never forget being a student teacher 
And um, I thought the agreement was that I was going to watch for a month, get my lessons plan ready, jump in. And I'll never forget on day two, my um, master teacher looked at me and she's like, well, you ready? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, no, no, I'm not ready. Um, and he, I did it. Um, and I was a grown man and I would come home and cry. I was like, that was horrible. But, um, but I did it, right? And I know, so I know what it's like to jump in and have to sink or swim. And all of us have had that experience when, you know, we got started in the job market. And I know what it's like to jump in and, and be a manager. I, I, the first management experience I had, and some of you have heard my podcast, um, I was, you know, promoted from within my team. So I'd gone from being peers with everybody to being their manager. And that was very horrid. Um, in fact, we'll throw in, you know, four or five R's in there. Horrid. Um, as great, as great as my team was, um, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready and I wasn't set up. Um, and I just remember doing some deep reflection. And when I got my next leadership opportunity, um, it was different and it's, it's been awesome ever since. Not that it's been easy, but it's been awesome. And I think that I found a lot of success because I was willing to, you know, you know, step into it and, you know, eat, you know, humble pie and, um, you know, go with it. But, um, but, you know, I, st- I remember stepping away from leadership and going into a different form of leadership, which was consulting. And, um, and that's, you know, a very different form of leadership, but it's also, it, it's not the same. It's really not. And I've been in this role now for, you know, about 15 years. And, um, and I guess why this podcast matters to me is because, um, I want to keep making sure that like I'm being true to who I am in the sense that like I'm not in it. You know, there's somebody else out there who's probably recording a podcast about what it's like to be, a, you know, a leader right now and there's there's probably some really juicy and humorous and, you know, thought-provoking and um, you know, really like um the kind of like stories you can connect with, you know, anecdotes and insights that you can glean from. Um and I love to share like my experience, but you know, my experience comes from being a leader and then being with leaders. And I hope that as I share some things, um, you know, folks can take things away because what I have found, and here's been a truth, having been a leader, stepped away from leadership, been a leader, now stepping away from, you know, direct leadership, um, is that every time I step away, and I've stepped away, you know, at least two times um, and been in, you know, a direct leadership position um, multiple times, the amount of reflection I get is, it, it blows my mind um, and it's made me so much better. Even if I've, I don't even count the times where I've decided to take like one month off as a leader, which was great leadership advice that a mentor gave to me. She's like, you got to, you got to take 10, 30 days and come back because you, know, you come back different. Um, and it's amazing how like, I don't know if it's true for everybody. It, she believed it was a truth and it had the impact and effect on me. My, my ability to lead, like they, they talk about this in sports where like the game slows down. Like the game, so to speak, slowed down for me. What I thought was difficult or what I thought was stressful before I had left on those, you know, kind of like self-imposed sabbaticals, if you will, were really different when I came back. They weren't as stressful. Um, But I share that because, um, you know, this podcast is about being able to share these insights. And I really do hope that they're making a difference um, for you as you're in it and as you're thinking about things. And so today I really want to, you know, share with you some insight that I had an aha right before I left for consulting. And it's really shaped, it's just been, it's just been like refined and crystallized during my consulting years, but um, that I think made a difference for me and has made a difference for me um, as a consultant. I think that's what's made me so powerful. So I want to share that with you today. So here's what I'm thinking, take it or leave it. It's totally up to you. I'm not offended if you don't. 
But what I found is that like when I walk into leadership situations or if I join now a consulting situation where I'm with leaders, you can get distracted by the content, the technical aspects of what's happening and what, you know, what's going on. You can get distracted by the noise of the personalities and the dynamics and the, the politics and all of that's really important. But there's one thing, one thing that stands out no matter what. It shows up every single time. Um, and, and I think it's an, I just decided like, I'm going to call this an enemy. Like I think all business leaders have this enemy and I framed it that way because I thought it was hilarious in my head. And maybe you don't think it that way. You can just call it an obstacle, but it is to me, it's an enemy. And the reason I called it that is because like I was watching TV and I I thought it was kind of hilarious how you notice themes and like in, in the world of commercials, like there's always an enemy. There's always a bad guy. You know, if you've got a cold, the bad guy is the mucinex dude, like a blob of like mucus. And it's like, oh my God, that's like. I don't want that, right? Like it, they've, they've somehow personified like boogers, um, you know, and in the world of like mowing your lawn, like the weed is the enemy and it's like choking your grass and somehow you personified grass, you know, and it's like, oh my God. Um, but like there's an en- there's always an enemy, like notice that. I mean, it's clear that we see that in politics, like there's manufactured enemies and whatnot, but like in the world, of, there's always an enemy. So I thought, oh, that's hilarious. Like who's my enemy, you know, and it's not a person, it's a thing, you know, in the world of marketing, the enemy's confusion. And when people are confused, you know, then they're not able to be clear about their message and their, you know, what they're trying to sell, blah, blah, blah. In the world of like leading teens and, and confusion is one of them, the enemy that I keep running into, and I run into this everywhere, which is why I do what I do. And I'm hopeful that this is going to make a massive, like, you know, um, either a shift for you, or you, it'll just be like a massive confirmation, but your enemy is bad process. Okay. Because that was my enemy. My enemy, I realized, was bad. Pro- like, I thought it was like, oh, it was like, I thought it was annoying people. I thought it was, you know, recurring issues. I thought it was, you know, bad IT, you know, bad software, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's bad process. And it attacks everywhere. Like, everywhere. Your meetings, your plans, your operations, your projects, your goals. Like, you're probably losing an enormous amount of time and energy dealing with bad process, which is why I do what I do. Like if anybody knows me, that's my mantra, right? Your teams, they end up confused. They're frustrated. They're burned out because of bad process. It robs them of alignment, um, of clarity in terms of their priority or direction, right? Um, It robs them of their engagement, their excitement for their work because they're dealing with all this searching and looking and duplication and redundancy and blah, blah, blah. And in the end, it just feels like you spend up more time reacting to issues than driving your business. So I think you've got an enemy and it's bad process. And I don't think the good people need to fail because of bad process. Like it, it really shouldn't be that way. Fundamentally, like when I got really crystal about why I do what I do, um, it's because I think that leaders are, are awesome. Like you made a choice to, to, to do something, to make a difference, which I think is really cool. And then you get sabotaged by bad process and you don't even know it. And that's the thing that I think is interesting. And here's what's even more fascinating to me because I feel like it's, it's kind of a hidden truth. I, I've realized, and people don't quite see this, which is why I think I'm so effective, is that you know more than 80% of the performance and engagement struggles that both I've seen and you know starting to document and do some research around, but also being confirmed by my experience, they're not coming from bad work processes. Because usually when people hear that, they're like, "Oh yeah, our intake process sucks. Our you know budgeting process like it's it's not a bad work process. They actually come from bad leadership processes." Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm serious. Bad leadership process is super rancid. It's, it's rampant. Um, it's rancid too, but it's rampant. Um, it's, and, and I don't think when I say that people are like, 
well, what do you mean? Like leadership is a process. Well, so leadership processes, let me just define it because not everybody's really clear what they mean. Like they have an idea, but they might not be clear. A leadership process are just the routines, your tools, whatever it is, your methods that are used together, right? To really enhance your the, the ability of, let's say, if you're a director, the enhance the ability of your managers or if you're a manager, to enhance the ability of your employees, your staff, to to deliver the value, to deliver and engage in the processes that they do, to really be able to do their best work. And the key difference between a work process and a leadership process is that leadership processes are really internal. They focus more on management effectiveness than they do on the end customer. This is about you know making sure that your team is aligned than it is about making sure that your products are um, aligned and moving on time, right? So they're your, your staff work in the work processes to deliver something to your customer. The leaders work in the leadership processes to make sure that staff are coordinated, are ready, uh, are having their problem solved so they can do their best work. So that's the distinction. And I don't think, you know, it's funny, I Googled leadership processes like a year ago. And um, I just did yesterday before this podcast. Same thing. There's like two people who have even talked about a leadership process. Other than that, everything else, and I like... I was like, I'm going to break the internet. I just kept scrolling through page and page and page and page. I was like, it's got to be here somewhere. Um, it, everything else talks about how leadership is a process. And there are models out there for you know the process of leadership. But like nobody really talks about leadership processes, which I think is fascinating. Instead, the focus is on um, who you are as a leader. So being a leader, which is important. Um, the focus is on your skills of leadership, like leading a meeting, um, reading a budget, but uh, very few have really taken a hard look at your leadership processes because that's the bedrock that you're able to then lead from, that you're able to then be empathetic from or you know, build trust from. And I think that's really fascinating. So um, as a leader, like it, it feels so unfair. And I really, when I had this aha and then really reflected back on what worked and then when I, and when I sit with leaders that I find, um, in my opinion, are effective, or when I'm done working with leaders and see that they're effective, you know, some things are, are true. And, and what seems not fair is that leaders are expected to build teams and inspire performance, but it doesn't happen on its own. Like that your leadership process is the biggest determinant of your team's performance. Honestly, like it is. The research is growing here. I'm having to compile it. But I, I think it's like people have been looking in the wrong place. But here's the deal. Most of us aren't taught to focus on our process and we're not taught how to build them. So then we're expected to just like figure them out, sink or swim. And that's not cool because the whole adage of riding the, you know, building the bike while you're riding it, like that doesn't work. So we need a different way of doing things. And it's not about just like having someone say, we need a different way of doing things. By the way, now you have to be courageous or um, that's not cool. There are actual processes that you can begin to build and improve upon that are going to actually like free up your time that are actually going to open the door for you to be able to, you know, leverage um, being a powerful listener. And, and, and when they're not there, like, I, I just like, is anybody else talking about this? It blows my mind. So, um, and bad leadership process will end up leaving your team confused and disengaged, resistant, reactive, and stuck. I've seen it over and over again. And that's why I think I get pulled in to do what I do. And so today I want to talk about three core leadership processes every manager needs to pay attention to. Because without these three, there are lots, but without these three, you're sunk. And that's why my business is built on these three processes, these three leadership processes. Because when leaders don't have these in place or when leaders 
um, aren't clear about how to make these things really work for them. Like you can see the remnants of it, but they're they're not quite meeting the right you know principle. That the, the process either the process doesn't exist or um, it's not designed well. You just see chaos. And people bring me in and they're like, can you redesign our work processes? Sure, but no, like here's what's really missing for you, your, your leadership process. Or we need team building. Okay, sure. No, here's what's really going on, your leadership processes. And the three core processes are operational management, which is kind of like your daily performance, your daily management, strategy execution or goal execution. So working on, you know, longer term goals and then how you drive your team culture. Those are the three. So I'm going to break those down for you really quick here today. So let's look at the first one, operational management. This is your process to manage your team's daily alignment, their performance, um, and their improvement. And I mean daily alignment, daily performance, and daily improvement, right? And um, and a good process, and you've heard me talk about this, and I think you can go back to maybe like episode three or four. I, I have to double check that. But this is like really important. We call this, I call this the four disciplines of daily management. So a good process really should make the team's work visible to everybody. So you need to, and, and I don't mean every little piece of work. So as it's nuanced, right? But um, the team needs to be able to see like in general, and you as a leader need to see like how much work there is or who owns it or what kind of work there is. Like, is there, you know, for some groups, it's, you know, the kind of fast turnarounds and long turnarounds. Some, some, if it's project-based, simple projects that require this level of resource, complex projects that require this level and this much time. Um, so it's really like understanding when I say like the kind of work, um, you know, really understanding it might not be like, you know, invoice A, invoice B, but it might be based more like on a, a category based uh, on the process and effort or the time it takes. But understanding like your team's work is important because you have to see how much work is in process. And, and what happens for us is we don't. And we don't see how much there is or what kind there is or who's owning it. And then things get stuck um, and people are juggling too much. And the other thing that a good process should do is it should make the works, the team's work move. Um, you know, we don't work on conveyor belts today, so we can't see how work is progressing. Uh, but we need a proxy in today's knowledge economy, in today's, um, you know, information-based economy to begin to show like, this is how much work I've got on my plate, or this is the kind of work I'm, I'm doing, and here's how it's moving along. Because you want to see how the work's progressing and when it's stuck. That's the biggest reason why. And things get stuck because they're waiting for approval, expertise, um, for someone else to do their job. They're, they're waiting because unplanned work has popped up, and now you're taking on something else. They're waiting because you said yes to something is taking longer than you thought. You're waiting because things go on hold. You're waiting for someone to respond back to you. Um, work is stuck because there's a conflicting priority and now you've shifted what you're doing. Like all of these things. And we talk about them. We email about them. We DM about them. We text about them. Um, but then it kind of like comes out of our mouths or, you know, and then they're just like, it's gone. It's hidden. What I'm describing here is what we call hidden work. And the hidden work creates a lot more tension and anxiety. And when there's that much hidden work, think of it as all this work is on a freeway, it clogs up, right? Like the, the freeway is designed for, let's say a thousand cars, but it doesn't work maximally when the thousand cars are on it. You have a jam. It works best when there's like 800, 700 cars on it. Things can flow. So we can't see it. So too much is happening. A good process should make issues visible. We need to see like what's on hold and what's waiting and what's blocked. And and when we start to do that, we start to get really good at talking about potential issues that we need to consider before they become bigger problems or crisis. And a good process really should initiate continuous alignment. You know, So you want to have these frequent, fast and focused team check-ins to see the work, 
see it move and see the issues, those first three things. And when I say fast and focused, like two to 10 minutes, right? Once a day, once every other day, so that everyone's on the same page, so that things aren't sitting, so that we're really clear on priorities. And so, uh, you know, the key here is visibility and frequent team alignment. And if you're not doing that, you're probably spending too much time reacting to issues or managing low performance or motivating staff. And that's when you're battling a form of bad leadership process because you either don't have a good process, your process is ad hoc, you jump in when you need to, you respond to people when you need to, which is interruptions, um, it's disconnected. So, you know, you're um, you're dealing with one thing over here and then dealing with another thing over here when really, you know, if two teams are dealing with the same thing, they should be talking to each other. And um, and quite frankly, it's, in, it's invisible. In other words, if we could all see it together, then we could probably have a better shot of leveraging the team to work on it together and make sure it doesn't happen again. So um, that's the first, that's one form of leadership process, operational management. And that's how bad process creeps in. Let's talk about a different one now. The other one I want to talk about is strategy execution. So this is your process to manage your team or even your organization's like long-term goals. These are the goals in addition to like, um, you know, what it is you're trying to maintain. And so a good process should really be focusing on the few. Like you shouldn't have more than one to three goals and those goals should be measurable. So if you have more than three goals, you're over, you don't have enough time to work on them. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And if you do, you're really pushing your people. Um, two, a good process should really leverage what we call lead measures. Um, your team needs to be engaged in the 20% of activities that are going to produce 80% of the result, especially towards your goal. And so if you don't know what those 20% are, then you're in trouble. And the second thing to understand about lead measures is you need to know what those 20% are that you can actually see movement on weekly. And people freak out. Like when I say operational management, you should be trying to meet daily. Everyone's like, oh, well, it doesn't meet the rhythm of our, you know, that's, that's too hard. Um, well, then don't complain when things get hard. Like that's that's what it requires. That's kind of like saying, you know, I don't know why my kid isn't acting a certain way. But then you only like set a boundary once every three days. Like that doesn't, they're getting the wrong message, right? Um, not that your team needs to be disciplined, but there's something to be said about what gets created with consistency, um, both in leading a family and leading a team, right? And so strategy execution, I think is really important because when you can't see what you're moving weekly, you have really very like you're you're playing from behind. So you have to figure that out. Um, I love helping teams figure that out because it takes a little bit of work, but we get there. The third thing that makes a good process, track your lead measures, right? You need to have your team own and update those lead measures and they need to do it each week and it needs to be visible. You know how much I love visibility. You need to be able to see it, put up a board, um, have the team design it. There's So the, the offering that we talk about here is the four keys of... Um, uh, strategy execution. And so I'm walking you through the four keys because I think that it's just missing for people. Um, and some people have a couple of the keys. You need all four of them to be able to, you know, beat the, the, the weight of the kind of bad process and the urgency that's coming at you. And then the last thing that makes a good process here is your ability to commit to accountability. So your team needs to meet weekly, 10 minutes, no more, but weekly. And they're reviewing their progress and making small focus commitments for the next week. And they're doing it in front of their board and they're tracking their lead measure. What did I say I was going to do? Did it move the lead measure or not? Let's let's update our board um, because we've only got one to three goals that we're working on, right? Which is so different than having like a whole bunch of goals that people can't remember that are too long that they meet in work groups about and they're not really sure the progress that they made, but they can tell you what they've done, but they don't really know if it's had an impact yet. You know what I mean? Like it just... It doesn't work. So the key to, to good process in, when it comes to strategy execution is visibility, metric clarity, and frequent, frequent team alignment.
And if you're spending too much time reminding your team to work on the goal or explaining why you're not meeting the goal to your leaders or you're meeting to figure out how you're going to meet the goal, like you're, you're battling a form of bad process. Okay. So we want to undo that. Like these are these enemies, you, you don't have to deal with them. There is a way out. Um, and it's a matter of A, knowing that they exist, that there are leadership processes, B, knowing what's actually proven um, as strong leadership processes, and then C, having the fortitude to begin to apply them. Because yes, it will take some work on your part. I'll never forget the first time I did like timeouts with my kiddo, um, like, because I was doing them wrong, I guess, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I put... I put my little guy in like, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. I think we went through it like 68 times. Um, I'll never forget like, you know, getting some help from like my parenting coach because like, you're just going to keep sitting them down, sitting them down. Um, I don't remember that with my daughter, but with my son, I was like, oh my gosh. But like, it took that fortitude. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. Like two hours later, I was like, oh my gosh. But that's what it required for me as a leader taking a stand for my kiddo who was just, you know, their brain is developing and they're learning like how to be in the world. And the same thing is true with the team as a leader. You are setting up a standard that's going to free up your time so you can grow your people in your business. You're doing a massive favor for everybody because you're teaching people how it is that they're going to actually learn to execute strategy when they become leaders. Um, it's going to help them when they're trying to actually work with their customers. But more importantly, you're setting up the structure that um, is going to make work way more enjoyable. And and you have the fortitude, you have to have the fortitude to apply it because, you know, this says easy. It, it does, I won't say it does hard, but, you know, leadership is hard. You know, it, it, it requires something from us. So, um, you know, there's just, I want to make sure that I'm sharing that because it's not like, oh, you just apply these four steps. Like, I just think that's disingenuous. And, and it works, right? Okay, one more, one more leadership process, how you drive your team culture. And a good process. And yes, there is a process to drive team culture. I have read so much in my career, and especially over this last year as I've been developing this for my clients, um, around like team culture. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, um, maybe I need to write a book around this because I'm not seeing people connecting the dots. The coolest, I've seen some folks connect the dots in a really cool way. I love what Jen Lim and Tony Hirsch are doing over at Zappos. And they've got um, a cool consultancy. They call it a coach cult coach sultancy um, called delivering happiness. Uh, but um, that's at the organizational level, at the team level, because that's where I like to, to play um, because that's where I came from. I was a manager, I was a director, and um, I wasn't like um, trying to think about like a massive organization, but I was thinking about like a massive division and I was thinking about my managers leading their teams and that's what matters. And so there are four Four things that make a good process to actually drive your culture, and it works, I promise you. And the first one is obvious. Almost everyone says it, very few people do it, and that's declaring the culture that you want. So when we don't declare the culture that we want, we get a default culture. So I'll, I'll work with managers like, oh, the culture is this way or that way. But I'm like, well, how do you want it to be? And they're like, oh. Uh, you know, and they just haven't declared it, right? So maybe it's a culture of innovation or a coaching culture or a, co or a culture of inclusion. You got to name it and then and then name what it means. And this isn't done um, by a leader or in a vacuum. So, But but the leader has to understand the process to do this because they're co-creating the culture with their team, right? Because one is already there. One is already there. You know that. Um, two, what makes a good process to drive a team culture is you've de defined the behaviors. So how are we going to live our team culture? How are we going to show up? And here's the deal. Um, and I talk about this more at length if you go to my website, but 
What are the one to three behaviors that will drive the culture? You don't want more than that because it'll confuse people. Um, and you want these really like quantifiable. So anyways, what are those one to three behaviors? So now we've got a culture. We all know what it means. We've got the behaviors around how we're going to live it. There's only like one to three. Believe it or not, that's strong enough to begin shifting your culture. Um, the third thing that makes a good process, how are you going to design the drivers, right? So what are the leadership routines? This is coming back then to your other leadership processes because that's what we're leveraging. What are the leadership routines that you're going to leverage to engage your team in those behaviors? Daily, weekly. You can't learn how to ride a bike by hopping on it once a week, right? You got to do it every single day kind of um, – you got to – unless you go to like pedal heads and, you, you know, they've got you there like, you know, for four hours and they get you going. But like uh, – and then you get better at it when you get on the bike. Same thing here. If you're going to be like – starting to get exposed to new behaviors every day. What are we doing? What are we doing? And it can't be an add-on. You can do cool things like add-ons, like, you know, stickers and blah, 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 streamers. That's awesome. Um, and it's really more about the experience. So streamers, all that kind of stuff is about atmosphere, um, which plays into experience. But you know, like your processes, we know this. We already know this. The One of the biggest determinants next to peer um, pressure, peer involvement in an organization are systems and processes to drive um, culture and behaviors. It's just that actually, the, the, that I don't have to like worry about. That. I can cite tons of research that shows that. So what are your drivers? And last but not least, drive the culture. So this is you seeing yourself as the cultural architect. And so you have to have a way to assess the effectiveness of the processes that you're using to drive the behaviors. And you have to have, have a way, a simple way, right, by the way, to assess like if the behaviors then are driving the culture. And then be able to tell if your culture is really driving the performance or engagement. And, um, and again, this is, this is not hard to understand. It's not super hard to apply, but it takes work, right? That's what this is about. So you really got to love when it comes down to it. And I think about like, you know, what it takes to be a great leader as well. You got to have some self-awareness and there's lots to be said here, but self-awareness about loving the process and loving the process of growing a team, Right. And next podcast, I'm going to talk about four different kinds of situations or five situations that leaders really face all the time. But, um, you know, that that's what it takes. You've got to love the process because the process is going to be um, at times challenging, right? But you decided to become a leader so you can make a difference. So don't let the bad process get in your way. And and I know the bad process costs everybody every day. Like, that's why I see it as an enemy. Like, I'm like, oh, it looks like a blob mucinex. Like, oh, here comes bad process. And, and I say that jokingly because it helps me kind of like, you know, feel benign and like playful with trying to come up with new ways to combat bad process, especially bad leadership process. But it costs us. And what it costs us, I think it's real. It costs us results. It costs us growth. It costs you burnout. It costs you engagement. You know, it costs you a sense of accomplishment. Um, and that's not cool. And you either bail, you persevere, you succeed in the face of it. Um, or you live with it and, and that's not great. Right. And, and you really, you actually as a leader need that freedom to focus on growing your team and your business. You, you really should have the power to align your team and organization around what matters most. That's really important. Um, I really think you should possess the capability to drive your, your team's engagement and improve team-based accountability. And you hands down, because I think I deserve it <laughs> as a parent, um, as a leader, as a leader consultant, you deserve the peace of mind, knowing that you're contributing a lasting legacy for your organization, your people. And that's more than just like what you did. It's what you're leaving behind. And you're leaving behind process that when someone else steps in, they're able to say, oh, like your team can say, oh, this is how it's done. 
Um, not they have to make it up on their own as they go through it again. And so I just let's just get rid of bad process. That's my mission. I've got an enemy, and that's the mission I'm out to to you know tackle is getting rid of bad process and organization because I think you should be the leader you set out to be. So that's my two cents. Um, holy smokes, folks! I'm not quite sure how we've been going here, how long we've been going, but um, uh, I think it's time. So. Um, I love that you let me come into your earbud, your radio, your, um, you know, your, through your phone, however you're listening to me, uh, because I know that as a leader, you wake up every day just being hell bent on making a difference, you know, getting out there and getting after it. And I'd rather you make a difference than just make things work. So, um, that's my thought for this week. That's my thought for this, um, for this particular day here and um and i hope that this sparks you know a new thought revolution in your mind in your leadership and at your workplace all right i'm excited i'm gonna see you guys next week um go ahead and reach out to me if you have questions all right take care